Are you sitting in a space where you are struggling with anxiety? Do you feel like a prisoner to the cycles of depression? Do you feel stuck in your own life and feel frustrated and lost, but yet you know there is so much more on the other side of this mental breakdown? I want to hold your hand through this therapeutic life healing journey. I will help you navigate emotional healing, spiritual growth, and taking massive action so you can align your mind, body, and spirit to completely transforming your life. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, of stepping into your power and experiencing your breakdown as your breakthrough. Hey, I'm Adi. I'm your therapist, your coach, your mentor. Join me as we heal your life together. I'm so excited for y'all to get to meet Keisha Thomas today. Keisha is a registered nutritional therapist, Pilates teacher, and blogger working to make mental well-being accessible and inclusive. Keisha covers topics such as eating disorder recovery, body image, and diversity issues within the wellness industry. She studied at the Institute of Optimum Nutrition and BASI Pilates in the UK and is currently studying for a master's in sport and exercise nutrition. You can find Keisha's work over on Instagram and Twitter at Keisha Thomas or on her blog at KeishaThomas.com. All right, everyone. I'm so excited for you all to meet Keisha Thomas. She is an incredible woman in the UK who is a registered nutritionist and Pilates instructor. She is specializing in eating disorder recovery, and she's making mental well-being inclusive and accessible. She's an anti-racist researcher and feminist, and I am so grateful that I was able to find you, Keisha, on Instagram and connect with you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, really, thank you for having me here. I'm glad I found, glad we found each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need much more diversity and inclusion in our feeds on social media, and that's how we connected, and I found you, and you graciously said yes to coming on the show. Could you share a little bit about yourself, Keisha, with listeners, a little bit about who you are and how you got started in the work that you do? Yeah, sure. So as you said, I'm a registered nutritionist and a Pilates instructor. I have been a nutritionist longer than I have been a Pilates instructor. So nutrition, I'm in my 10th year, which when I say it, that is really weird. <laughs> but I'm in my 10th year in nutrition and coming into, I think, my fourth year in Pilates. When I first came into the world of nutrition, let's, let's start there, it wasn't in the world of ED recovery. It was just doing sort of the status quo, uh, like, let's do weight loss, let's do da 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 So it was kind of, I was very much coming in from a diet culture background. And then I always knew that in my own beliefs around food, like, so how I always approached my food was that although I was very much a dieter, I, I always knew that wasn't right. So I always knew that wasn't a way that a person should be living their life. I just knew that it wasn't, it wasn't quite right. So although I would eat one way myself, I would feel bad for putting a client on a diet. So when they would come in and say like, oh, I need to do that, I'd be like, oh, no, but you don't need to. And I had to really start to look at myself and just say, okay, at what point <laughs> are you going to practice what you preach? Or at what point is this all going to come together? And what are you actually trying to do here? Like, who, who are you? Because I, I pretty much just came in spewing the, the, the normal diet culture language. And then I ended up working for Recover Clinic, which is the inpatient 
sorry, an outpatient and working with eating disorders. And that for me, I was just like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And from there, I just learned so much from my clients. I learned so much of working from working with my fellow psychotherapists. And it just all really went from there in terms of recovery work. And Keisha, why is this work important to you from your perspective? Like I say, I just feel as someone, I never had an eating disorder myself, but I would say that, you know, going from diet to diet, manipulating food, not having a great relationship with your body, all of that stuff. It's just the opposite to one of my key values, which is freedom. And I think that's the thing that I love the most. Like seeing somebody so stuck in a rigid eating pattern with these really rigid beliefs around food and body. And when they first start to see their little glimpse of glimpse of um, freedom and they're like, I could do this. Yeah. yeah. I can have a milkshake at lunch. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And just seeing that, you know, how food can become exciting again. So that really drives me just knowing that somebody isn't living to their one full potential or really getting to see the world as it for what it really is. I love that so much. That makes so much sense. And I, I also love what you're saying about making mental well-being inclusive and accessible. How does that fit into your why in working with eating disorder recovery? I mean, we have here in the UK, it's quite difficult to get treatment. You know, the mental health services here are, you know, they're, they're full. They're really, really struggling. It's hard for everyone to get the help that they need and especially those who don't have the money. So that's a lot of the work that I'm doing at the moment. The other part is just making sure that all eating disorders get seen as well. So talking about different ethnicities and even genders, but even making sure that all eating disorders get seen. So I have a, in my private practice, I work private practice, I get a lot of binge eating disorder sufferers coming through my door. And that's often because, and they often, well, the sad thing is a lot of time they don't realize that they have a eating disorder. They think they're emotionally eating and all the rest of it. So they've got to go through that sort of journey of understanding what's actually going on with them and their food. So first of all, in, here in the UK, our mental health services are you know, completely overloaded. So it's really difficult for people to get help. And those who are getting help are those who are in a really, really, you know, to the extremes. And so that we've got this part where somebody might not have the money and they may not have certain physical attributes, let's say, that would allow them to get treatment. So what I'm talking about there is that certain, you know, what we're, where we're at the moment in terms of getting inpatient support, say for eating disorder recovery, is very much on the BMI. And so somebody having a really, really low BMI, which means there are a load of people who don't get that service or have to wait a long time for that service and maybe they don't have time to wait, that get missed, that get left. So the inclusiveness is about sort of, you know, different races, different genders, different social backgrounds, but also different eating disorders themselves. Because I think what often happens in the eating disorder world is that um, people think about anorexia. They think about anorexia in small bodies. They don't think about anorexia in big bodies. Binge eating disorder gets left and bulimia almost gets unseen. In the Pilates world, one thing that I have done from the beginning of my work is made sure that it's, n- it's never, ever been about the aesthetic. It never has been. So luckily for the Pilates people, I came into the Pilates world already with my, we're going to look after our bodies. It's not about trying to lose weight. It's not about trying to sculpt or shape or blah, 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 blah. We are in this to look after our bodies because that's how I got into Pilates. So for me, it was about strengthening my body so that I can run 
that I can move well, that I don't get another injury, so that my body is well conditioned and looked after from a functional movement perspective. And so when I teach my classes, that's very much the language I use. I don't talk about what we're trying to do in terms of, well, that there's no, there's no language at all around sort of trying to sculpt anything. I can say what muscle group we're working, but always from a functional perspective. And that's the feedback that I always get, very um, inclusive. I'm also the kind of person that says, listen, guys, um, if it's a hot day today, so if you, if you don't want to do too much movement, just lie down. Like, mm. it's not about, oh, you'll get someone come to you and be like, oh, just so you know that I'm a bit tired today. So if you just see me lying, I'm like, don't, you know you haven't got to tell me that. If you want to just lie there, lie there. That's better than you sitting in a chair right now, actually. That probably benefit from you just lying down. So um, very much just about the do what you can do, just sort of respecting the body. I love that because you're really removing the shame when we talk about mental health and if someone coming in that already is struggling with maybe body dysmorphia, you know, they're already struggling with so much shame narratives in their mind and their mental health. And so for you to kind of say, oh no, that's fine. Your body's requesting you to lay down. Let's listen to that. What a beautiful gift. No, absolutely. And I think the other part of it is just that, you know, I do mostly group sessions and I think just sometimes it's the person has got out of their house and they're in, a, they're in amongst other people. They get to have their little chit chat at the beginning of the class. Sometimes it's hard to shut them up. You know, they're having a chit chat. They know that, you know, so-and-so is going to be there. How is your week? That's their little, they don't, they may not see each other beyond that Pilates class, but every single week they're there together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's enough for somebody just to be in a different sort of social setting, as I say, yeah, and just taking some time out for themselves, which I think is really powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keisha, I know you have an incredible video uh, on your IG, uh, Instagram TV, talking about microaggression. So I hope everybody listening goes over to your page and watches it. But how have you seen, from your perspective, microaggressions in the wellness space show up and for folks who might be the first time you're hearing microaggression can you Keisha define microaggressions and then go into a little bit about how you've seen that and seen that in the wellness space Mm. so I think so microaggressions in themselves are just that that really subtle racism form of racism and it is that it's literally a form of racism and it's so subtle that sometimes it goes unnoticed and a lot of the time it goes unchallenged, whether it's noticed or not, because it's almost to the point where you know something's wrong or you've identified something's wrong, but you feel like it's so subtle. And sometimes not even intentionally, actually, to be fair, but either way, you feel like it's so subtle that you can't say something about it. And actually, part of me believes that if you were to literally challenge every single microaggression, I mean, you'd, you'd have a lot of challenging to do. So it's difficult. You get to the point where you almost feel like you've got to pick your battles which is really sad which is how they go on which is why they perpetuate because they do go on challenge and they are that stuff and really right now we're talking about black lives matter and so the african-american community and the black community really suffering from microaggressions for many as much as young as they can remember mm-hmm. and how dangerous that can be over time yeah absolutely and a lot of the sort of research that I've been doing recently is like looking at the effect that has on the nervous system. Because even though what we're looking at here is sort of a micro scale of racism, as far as the nervous system and the body is concerned, this is a threat to your race. And so it does go and launch that sort of um, fight, flight or freeze activation of I need to protect. Sometimes not even knowing what protect from, 
that you know you do have a response and i and i would say you know there's a challenge somebody the other day on my facebook where they had written down like you know this it goes around like i don't see color and people are saying that and it's coming from a very loving place but it's just like you need to see my color because you know what sometimes i can walk into a room and i feel my color and that's what my that's my progression that feeling that you know I don't feel quite comfortable in this room. And you can't even sometimes name it for sure. And sometimes it might just be perceived, but nonetheless, that's what you feel. And when you see it in the wellness space, in the wellness world, how have you seen that to be showing up and the danger behind that? The biggest thing that I see is sort of, so in terms of how the nervous system is impacted, it's a lot to do with sort of the inflammation. So high levels of cortisol coursing through the body for long periods of time. This pro-inflammatory environment. And then that comes of all the different, you know, inflammatory uh, conditions that you might get pain. If you're a person who has it in their genetic sort of profiling, it could go as far as, um, you know, arthritis and other autoimmune diseases and stuff like that. So it can, it, it's like, it can be many, many things. It depends on how aware a person is of their physical state. So if a person doesn't even know that they're holding tension or even that they're stressed, which quite often feel busy person, you might not know why you're busy. That might be the symptom in itself. Person just carries on, they don't take that time out for themselves. It can, you know, it can show up in so many different ways. It's really hard to say any one way, but you know, again, it'll be, yeah, inflammatory. The other part is like digestion, digestive issues and sleep issues as well. But like I say, there's so many different ways that it shows up. It's about that awareness of knowing that it's there. Keisha, when you work with your clients and you're noticing they're holding trauma, you know, race-based trauma from the microaggressions, from what their environment has been like, interactions over time, and, they're, and you, they might not be aware, like you mentioned, but you see it in their body, you see it in their, it's impacted their nervous system. How do you work with them? What are some things that you tell and share with them to do to become aware of it and to kind of release that from their body so that they can find that sense of freedom, like you mentioned earlier? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the main thing I do is, is draw their attention. So trying to help them build that awareness. And, you know, with my eating disorder clients, I always say it's, it's similar to how they, you know, once upon a time couldn't feel when they were hungry. And then once they get to understand their, their body cues, they learn about their hunger. And it's the same for this. It's the same for anxiety and any trauma that you're holding your body. It's about connecting to that so I'll ask them like when and this is where the Pilates teacher in me comes out because I'm like do you notice where your shoulders are and their shoulders are hanging up around their earlobes and they're like oh didn't notice that or I'll notice how they're breathing it might be very shallow very sometimes I see people breathe their breathing is you know how babies breathe really fast yeah I'm always this is what I'm looking for I'm looking for where are their shoulders how is their breath like how deep is their breath going and if I notice something I'll just reflect it back and say what do you notice about your breathing and then they might go, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't take full breath. And I'd be like, what would it be like to take a full breath? And sometimes there's resistance to do so. And if there's resistance, then, you know, you, you can't force it. But just them knowing that there is a, a physiological response going on there is enough to think about how they might correct it as such. And when I say correct it, it's not to make any feeling go away, but it is to sort of counter the physiological response. If you're breathing really shallow and fast and there is no actual no threat around you, you can take a deeper breath and slow it down and just remind yourself that you're safe. And even if it's saying I'm safe, I'm completely safe, you know, that's, that's helpful as well. 
Yeah. And it sounds like what you're doing is just creating that safety in that time with you. And that's giving a new, maybe a, a fresh new experience that they may not have otherwise in other parts of their life. Like when you mentioned just coming into the room and you see them, like you really see them and you know what they need and you're able to really just hold that safety in that healing space so that they can kind of just have a consistent space where they can begin to even start to heal with you. Absolutely. How is your work shifting the narrative in the wellness world through your work? The biggest message that I like to get out there is just um, trying to just smash diet culture because it is just so toxic. And, you know, part of me doesn't even like the word, you know, (laughs) it's just such a toxic culture that just really makes it seem as though wellness has a specific look. And for the most part, that look is white and thin. And if you don't fit into these categories, one or both of these categories, then, you know, this is where the sort of um, exclusiveness comes into wellness. And it's very much about making it more inclusive. So I'm always challenging diet culture and I get backlash for it, um, even from my, from people within my own profession. And that's something that I'm willing to, to take because I, I see firsthand how damaging that culture is with the people that I, I work with. And it holds people back. That's the weird thing. People think that somehow focusing on weight loss gives them some lease of life and that they're now going to be able to do something. And that's not to say that I, have any, I don't have any opinion on somebody's weight going down, right? But it's this focus on weight loss and this idea that that's the thing that's going to unleash and unlock when actually it's the opposite is true. That person is stuck and they're living by like quite rigid food, food rules, whether they have an eating disorder or they're just a chronic cereal dieter, they're not free. They're not free. And, um, and they won't be for as long as they're on the diet, as long as they're suppressing their, their natural weight, they're going to be stuck in that loop. So, yeah, I think it is just about understand redefining wellness understanding that there is no such thing of being in perfect health unfortunately there's most likely going to be something going on and that's not to say we'd be dismissive of it but like this idea that every everybody can or even even should be in perfect health at all times I think that's a lot of pressure to put on people you just want to be in the best health that you can be and also that's not accessible to everybody Mm. everyone has the the access to the resources to buy the tools you know, not everyone's out there being able to buy organic vegetables and juice. Not everyone can sit there in front of a nutritionist and look at a plan and all these things. Some people are out there just, you know, getting by. So what does that, what does this mean for them? Absolutely. I mean, when we talk about wellness and mental health, there's a social justice aspect to it. There's a, a must to make it accessible and inclusive because for so long it's, it's not accessible for everybody. Like you said, some people are just getting by and organic food is very expensive. And if you're thinking about juicing, if you want to sign up at a gym or if you want to hire a nutritionist, I mean, all of that costs so much money. So what you're doing is really helping to make it inclusive and accessible. What do you hope for the wellness world to shift into over time? What do you hope it to look like? I just fit to, just to have many different sort of um, variations of the word. I think now, like when I hear the word, well, once upon a, once upon a time, wellness sound, it was, it's still 
the words there, isn't it? Well, ness, <laughs> right? Once upon a time, that word was just so nice. And now it's now become a little bit, you know, diet culture just got hold of it. And I, I want it, I want to get it back. <laughs> I want it to come back. I want to get it away from diet culture and for people to think about wellness as being, you know, mental and physical with what you've got for the best that you can. So, and knowing that that, that isn't just one picture, there isn't one version of that. There's so many different versions of wellness that's going to look different for different people for so many different reasons. Yeah. And I loved what you said. It's, it's about seeing wellness as all shapes, colors, sizes, and seeing that I think reflective in your feed, because we were kind of talking offline earlier about the importance of who you're following and being conscious about your own worldview is being very much shifted by what you're constantly seeing on your feed. So having a conscious way that you're following or unfollowing people so that your feed is reflective of, of a diversity uh, and inclusion of people in the wellness world and in mental health. And it doesn't have to look like one thin white woman. And that is wellness because that's not who everyone is. And so when you see that, again, there's a level of shame, there's a level of, oh, I'm not beautiful, which is not true. It's just simply not true. And so if you just continue to follow just thin white women being all over your feed, you're going to constantly hate yourself and hate your life. And in fact, be celebrating yourself and you're beautiful. And so when you can have your feed be reflective of people who look like you, who are the size that you are and are in wellness and are in mental health and are thriving, then you see yourself in them. We're all mirrors for each other. So when you see yourself in them, you begin to celebrate yourself in your own life. Yeah. The, and the authenticity of it all. I mean, you are you. And so there is a lot about sort of, yeah, totally resonate with what you said there. And yeah, who are your role models? <laughs> Why? <laughs> And, and equally, why not as well? And we were talking earlier about just doing a, a social media detox, going in oh. and unfollowing <laughs> and consciously following people in the mental health and, men- and wellness world. I said she didn't. I spent a, a time, chunk of time just getting rid of just, you know, I've been on Instagram for ages. And so at some point you just got to take the time to scroll all the way back. I don't know if you know this. Here's a tip for everyone. You can sort your, who you follow by earliest the who you followed first you can actually sort it so I did that and I went to the early days of who I used to follow <laughs> and there's a lot there that accounts that were even active but equally people that I just didn't want to be hearing from so highly recommended it and you just feel great afterwards and then your feed just looks lovely because with Instagram as well as soon as you open it you're just subjected to whatever pops up first so it's just nice to have a little bit of an idea what that might be. (laughs) Right. And being reflective of your values and what you want to see the world as, right. And really having some type of control, you know, in being able to consciously follow and now really kind of going, I love what you did. And that's a great tip to just go in and really, who am I following? What am I being fed? Is this sitting right with who I am in the world and how I want the world to be and beginning to really be conscious consumers? Yeah, absolutely. No. And I love that. What am I being fed? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so true though. It really is. 
Yeah. So Keisha, where can people find you and find your work? So at the, at the moment, I'm mostly active on Instagram. So um, you'll find me under my name, Keisha Thomas. I have my website, keishathomas.com. And they're the, mo- the main two places I'm looking to launch YouTube channel soon. So maybe by the time this is out, I might have managed to edit and release my first video. Who knows? Um, but yeah, definitely Instagram. <laughs> Uh, but definitely Instagram. Um, that's where I'm most active at the moment because I have found my people. <laughs> and so I'm just loving that at the moment. Well, definitely we'll be looking out for your YouTube channel in the future. And in the meantime, I'll leave your handle, I, Instagram handle in the show notes so people can find you. Keisha, thank you so much for being here. Honestly, just like love what you're doing and love the work and the narratives that you are shifting in this world through wellness and mental well-being is so important to make it inclusive and accessible for everybody. I really respect your work and admire everything that you're doing and takes time to do that. What is one last thing that might be on your heart as a takeaway for anyone listening that hasn't been said yet? I would just say one of the most liberating things is just to be authentic to yourself because when all is said and done like you know when you're not being true to yourself and it's a part of me is just like oh it sounds so cliche but honestly I cannot stress how important it is just to be genuine be authentic be you and who you are because the more you do that the just the more the bigger your world gets you know, you, you'll attract people who you want to have conversations with. You'll attract people from different backgrounds and just, it's just way more interesting rather than, you know, restricting on so many levels, like restricting, you know, restriction of personality, restriction of food, restriction of body, restriction of life, you know, reverse all of that. It's about really opening up and just seeing what's out there for you. And, you know, I, I can genuinely, I will, I will go as far as to say promise. <laughs> you know, that, um, yeah, life gets easier when you start to do that. That's beautiful advice to end on. I definitely agree. And thank you so much for being you and your authentic self. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and found some gems to take away for yourself. I'd love to read a review from grateful k who says thanks for sharing healing to the world thank you so much for your subscription to the podcast for the reviews that you leave i really am excited to continue to serve and show up for you if there's ever an episode a topic that you'd love me to cover please feel free to dm me on instagram and connect with me there in the meantime i send you a lot of virtual hugs and be well stay safe and be healthy